0: From the Advocate magazine this is LGBTQ and A I'm Jeffrey Masters and today I'm talking to Scott Turner Schofield Scott's an actor best known for his role on The Bold and The Beautiful, and we talk about the many complexities around being an openly trans actor, including the latest controversy over casting non-trans people to play trans characters, and why it feels like this time people are finally beginning to listen. And then we also discuss how trans women seem to be so much more prominent and visible in the world right now compared to trans men, and a couple of reasons for why that might be. So that is coming up. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe, rank us five stars, leave a comment on iTunes. Doing those things is the biggest way you can help our show grow. Thank you for that. All right, without further ado, here's Scott. I'm excited to talk to you. Thanks for being here.
1: I'm really excited to be here. Thank
0: you. I'm excited because trans men are so much less visible than trans women in our culture, And I really hope that the recent dialogue around casting trans people in trans roles helps bring more trans men into the conversation.
1: I really hope so, too. I'm glad to be audible. (laughs) Yes. We've had this
0: debate before, though, specifically about casting trans people in trans roles. This time, it feels different to me.
1: Well, something changed. You know, that's what really happened. As someone who's been acting, I started my professional acting career in 2002. Right. So what's that, 16 years ago? And having watched, you know, just before I started acting, we had Boys Don't Cry. Right. Um, Then we had Transamerica. Right. Then we had, you know, fill in the blank all the way up to Dallas Buyers Club and The Danish Girl. Right. And... There are people who are like, you should be happy that anyone's telling trans stories at all. And we need these stars in order to, you know, make it, in order for anyone to listen and learn about you people in the first place, which is, by the way, how it always sounds, right? Yeah. No matter how you say it, that's how it sounds, FYI, right? And I'm saying, totally grateful for these great stories and we we literally cannot talk about something that happened 20 years ago like there literally was one actor who could have played the role that um uh, that Hillary Swank played in Boys Don't Cry, right? There was one person who could have done that. And they weren't famous and it's true, Hollywood does work that way. We can't compare today to 20 years ago. The fact is we've moved on. There are now dozens and dozens of professionally trained, really good trans actors who are literally being like objectively discriminated against because when I walk into a casting room, someone's thinking about how nervous they are that they might use the wrong pronoun or which bathroom I should be in, not about how good of an actor I am, right? And we've got to move past that. We're all in it together. We've just got to take steps together. And like nobody's actually really mad. It sounds like we're mad because what happens is – I think people don't realize that like trans people, we go through every day being just like clobbered over the head with aggression after aggression. And I'm not even going to say microaggression. I'm going to say like full-on aggression, right? Of people just like not believing that we have the right to be who we want to be at a fundamental level and carrying that out against us in very physical ways all throughout our lives, right? So, yeah, we're a little Like enraged, (laughs) right? But we're actually not mad at, we were never mad at Scarlett Johansson. We were mad at that kind of uh, really dismissive response, you know? And I think as you'll see in the Hollywood Reporter stuff that so many of us did, we were all really grateful that, like, she and her representatives took a step back and thought about it and realized, like, okay, yeah, we are going to take steps to move on. So I say, I feel really bad for Scarlett Johansson. I, I, you know, it must really suck to have things blow up on you in public like that. I think a little bit it came from that other choice, which probably she didn't make either because actors are like the least powerful people really in Hollywood. Uh, but, But also, you know, she did the right thing overall. And that's a step. I also wonder how much her own gender played into
0: it because we feel more comfortable critiquing women in our culture. And for these other people who've played trans roles before, they, with their male privilege, had said, have said, no, I'm playing this role. Right. But it's Scarlett Johansson, and she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And so she – well, in this case, she listened. Well, I've always said women will change the world, so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> like, I would also argue that when people think about transgender, I think they envision a trans woman. Absolutely. I know it's not cut and dry, but why do you think trans women are so much more visible?
1: Well, it's definitely not cut and dry. Um, I think one piece of it is, is that many transgender women are more visible, right, in the in the sense that for bodies that have undergone male puberty, it is difficult to undo the effects of that, whereas my body underwent female puberty and then underwent male puberty, and now unless I told you I was trans, you would not know. Oh, you're saying literally physically visible, not right. just like metaphorically visible. Right, physically visible. visible. Gotcha, and, gotcha and it's where we get this awful, disgusting stereotype of like quote unquote man in a dress, right? Like like th- and what we're talking about are, you know, visible trans women who are women. Right, who are dressing the way that they that their gender identity makes them want to dress, but they are visibly trans. But I'm sorry, but what about so
0: many of the public figures who aren't aren't visibly trans? I'm thinking of like Janet Mock and Laverne Cox. These are the face of the trans movement right now, and they're trans women who are not visibly trans. I
1: I meant visibility in terms of like notoriety and fame. I have many theories about this. and they are theories because how can we know it's all just happened, right? And I'm sure it's for many reasons, not just one. Yeah. I mean, one big reason I think has a lot to do with that. It's the double-sided sword of being a woman, right? That like you and, – and it all comes down to like sex, Right, sex in the way that sex is power, and sex in the way that like sex is victimization so so some trans women are victimized right, because they're female and and you know the, their femininity makes them a target, and some trans women are able to have more power because they are gorgeous and you know sexy and are the beneficiaries of something which can very quickly turn on them and become really ugly and bad. So I'm not like, I'm just really careful to say like that, like Laverne Cox or, uh, Janet Mock have like, they're like, you know, super heroines with, who are totally, you know, bulletproof because that's not true. Right. Of like, course. like the two of them have had to go through so much and continue to have to just wade through so much that even somebody like, a a Katie Couric or, you know, a, a cis woman, um, doesn't have to deal with, right? right? Like, not the least to say that they're women of color, right? Like, yeah. it's, um So it's just that, I mean, both of them, too, are captivating personalities who have done amazing things in their lives. And that's my favorite thing about them, is that they've told their truths in such powerful ways that people are just, like, salivating because it's so amazing, right? Uh, and And however, you know, what I know is that trans guys – have the same differently told, but same at the base of stories of truth and authenticity that leave people just wanting more and more and more if we can get listened to.
0: I wonder too, if when a trans woman comes out as being trans, she well she opens herself up to being sexualized in our culture, yeah. but also which is that kind of opens up a conversation and we Again, like we critique women, whereas male uh, trans men access male privilege, and we know what to do with men, and like we respect them, and so we like let them live. Well,
1: okay, I really I take exception to the idea that we access male privilege. We access male privilege in that we are able to walk down the street without being assaulted uh, as women. However, there is no person who trades in male privilege who looks at a trans man and thinks that dude is equal to me. Those people think that dude is a girl and we have to fight against that like very like debasing transphobia, you know, from from word one. Do you think that's the initial
0: response every time for you still? I do. Oh, really? Like, wow, wow,
1: you really look like a dude. That's because I am a dude. Right? But like, wow, you're really pulling that off. You know, I mean, you wouldn't believe the stuff I've heard. Um, and it's, it comes from a place, what people say when they're saying that is, I do not believe that you are a man. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that, frankly. Well, you live in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I mean, actually, in the Scarlett Johansson casting controversy reminded me that I do live in Los Angeles and I do live in a really accepting
1: queer and trans community. I should tell you, though, that a very powerful gay man who was in charge of parts of my life – I'm trying to be very uh, – I don't want to name names or just talk, you know – but uh, said, well, we can't send you out for romantic roles because then you'll put the sexuality of the actress into question, meaning if I kiss a woman, that's a lesbian kiss. <laughs> in Los Angeles, wow, right? <laughs> like in Hollywood, liberal Hollywood. <laughs> so, wait,
0: wait, what is the issue with casting um, trans actors? Is it like your agent submitting for roles? Is the casting director not seeing you for roles? I ask because when they're submitting your headshot and resume, it
1: doesn't say like like colon trans actor. Sure. Well, and we've, there's been a lot of work done around it, right? So. So, for instance, Glad did this whole thing with the Casting Society of America and the breakdowns uh, so that there's a way of on your, on your profile. On my profile, I could click that I am a transgender actor, but only people looking for trans actors would find me. So it doesn't mark me as trans. So it was a really smart way of making it so that I could play both sides. Yeah. Right. Um, and the problems are many. Right. So, like, first of all, you know, there are barely any writers or producers or directors in Hollywood who are trans. Right. So, the stories that are getting told are not trans. And then you walk, so then they're like, oh, we'll throw, and I mean, since 2015, it's just been this sort of like every show wants to throw a trans person on there, right? Which is great. We definitely want that, right? But they don't know what they're doing. So they're like, oh, you know, I walked, I went in for a show where they wanted a a masculine looking woman, right? And, I was sent to that, which is problematic in the first place, right? Um, and that's what the breakdown says. Right. That's what the breakdown said. And I walked into the room and there was like Ian Harvey and like, like every trans guy, you know, D'Lo, like every trans guy, but then also some trans women. And it was so clear that like just nobody knows what they're doing, right? And so – and I'm trying to find a better way to say that because I have compassion for it. It's like people don't know what they're doing because we don't ever get taught this stuff, right? there, You are at, in kindergarten, you're taught boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. And that's literally the most thought people give it for the rest of their lives, right? And all the rest is sort of, all the advertising is directed at you to support that. And I mean, there's no, we don't learn it in school. Like there's no way you could know it. So my, again, I have rage because I have, you know, so many years, like I've lost Family members, I've like, I've gone through some of the deepest hurt that I can go through. And so to anybody who's mad at me for being mad, I'd say like, have a little compassion for me. Right. But, but I do see that there are so many people who want to do this right. And we're in these like little baby steps. We are in a transition together. Right. And I need to be a good guide because I am a good guide for people. Right. To say like, okay, let's talk about how we can do this. And that is really starting to happen. And I have to say, Glad has been really on the like bleeding edge of this, really figuring out how do we, how do we, you know, make this happen. And then you think about like, com- like the Times Up and Me Too movement, and how that has shed a light on gender in general, right? Like women, right, inclusively uh, in in Hollywood, and wh- how gender works. Right. So between, you know, time's up 50-50 by 2020, Glad, um, then, you know, for better or for worse, this Scarlett Johansson thing, right, it, it all just kind of came together in this perfect storm that I think I hope is going to allow people to recognize just where we are. And what I hope is that people stop being defensive, stop worrying about if you're going to offend people. Uh, I, I say this to myself, stop being mad. And, like, let's all take these steps together. We will work it out. We can work this out. We can put a person on the moon. We can figure this out. Yeah, you know I mean? it's so
0: new for so many people. You say stop being mad, but I think you have, like, every right to be angry, though.
1: I, we all do. We definitely do. I mean more like people – Something a very natural thing that happens is if I call you out when you didn't intend to be – you did something transphobic. You didn't intend it that way. You know that's not who you are. A very human response is to get mad at me for calling you out. And I see that happening, right? A lot of people are really mad at the trans actors who stood up and got visible around that stuff. Um, They're mad at us. And they're saying, you know, that we're ruining everything. We're all just going to take our toys and go home and nobody's going to tell a trans story again. I'm like, good luck, because trans stories start with like the very best of storytelling. Okay. It is like, these are the best stories. It's why everybody wants to tell them.
0: Yeah. Going back to you, uh, rejecting that you think you have full male privilege, Mm. uh,
1: how has your experience of privilege evolved well okay so it's like i do i do recognize that i have privilege also i'm white right so like that's the very first thing and the, the it's like white man kind of braided together, right? Like I can walk down any street and be safe. Um, when I was, so I, I made my transition. I was waiting tables at a restaurant. Uh, I, I started my medical transition. And in one year, we, I literally have the printout of this. We had, you know, when you type your tips into the, into the machine, it creates a spreadsheet. And I, had a, I have a year's worth of spreadsheets. And my tips almost doubled the year that I became understood as a man. OK, so absolutely, I experienced male privilege now. But that was in interactions where I walked up to people and said, hi, my name is Scott. I'll be your server today. And I didn't say I'm trans. Like, We never had a conversation about like where I started and where I ended up, right? There was no like, but the thing is, if you know who Scott Turner Schofield is, right, or if you Google me, right? Or if you know that this trans speaker is coming to your place of work to, to talk, you immediately see me with different eyes. And that's where I take issue with the ideas. Like as soon as anybody finds out that I'm trans, which is very easy to do, suddenly any male privilege I had goes away. So I have superficial male privilege. And in the case of trans women of color, my superficial male privilege keeps me alive, which is really important, right? Um, but on a deeper level than that, it's not like I just suddenly like make more money than everybody. I can't even get a job. Like I I, like I'm an actor and a freelancer because getting a job at a corporation, like, please, you know,
0: I mean, I have to wonder too, if the, the quote unquote movement has centered trans women, specifically trans women of color and really like front face them because it is, there is a massive safety issue. And we've done that literally to save their lives.
1: Well, you know, you'd think that, but in some ways the visibility that we've all, like the massive rise in visibility that we've all experienced since 2015 um, has met directly with things like bathroom bills. And, I mean, there's a serial killer on the loose in Florida right now, you know what I mean? So it's, um, visibility is wonderful and life-saving and also makes you a target. People now know what to look for. They know whereas they might have just thought, gosh, that woman has a strong jaw. You know what I mean? Like now they're like, wait, is that a trans person? Right? Like I they probably don't say trans person. They probably say something really gross. Um but uh but yeah, it's 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 a double-edged sword. A lot has changed in terms
0: of the public's understanding and um, our access to information about trans people, specifically in the last couple of years. You transitioned how long ago, like 20 years ago? 18. 18 yeah. years ago. Where did you even begin to find information back then? Oh, my God.
1: I live my life in like a f- sort of fugue of uh, of like I knew that I was different, but I had no way of connecting to to anything. Like I was very clear. I knew I was a boy. I knew that something had happened like – uh, it must have happened to me at birth. Like something must have happened because why would I feel this way, right? There was absolutely nobody I could talk to that was safe enough to have that conversation with because <clears throat> I thought for sure that it made me also crazy, right? Which you're seeing where all of these like cultural stereotypes come in, right? Um and I started working at the WOW Cafe. I, I had an internship at the WOW Cafe in theater, which is um, – was a feminist collective, theater collective in New York City. And there was this guy there who like was like the sex object. And I was like, wait, I thought this was a lesbian feminist <laughs> space. Like what is happening? And someone was like, he's transgender. And I was, and I knew that transgender women existed. I had gone to a queer youth group with a transgender woman, transgender girl, and I was just like, "What?" And I like asked him if we could hang out, like very awkwardly, you know. And he was so kind and good to me, and was like, t- gave me um, Kate Bornstein's uh, My Gender Workbook and um, Leslie Feinberg's Transgender Warriors. My Gender Workbook was amazing because it's literally a workbook and it's like Cosmo quizzes. So you could just like have fun figuring out your stuff, right? But Transgender Warriors by F- Leslie Feinberg was the most important because there's an entire world history. We've been everywhere for all time in every culture. I had no clue. I thought it was alone. That you know? book is
0: amazing. You're right because it contextualizes that transgender is not a new concept. Right.
1: It's not a phase. It's not a white thing. It's not a Western thing it's definitely not a mental illness. You know what I mean? Like it's, this is a real thing, you know? And so that was, you know, it was books, it was paper books and a person. I had to find a person like me who would talk to me, you know? And now I'm so, I'm just like, wow, all the things you can get on the internet. Like, you know, but in some ways I feel really bad, you know, it's a whole long thing, but I I just think, I think sometimes it can make people's lives more difficult you know, to know what you are and to realize that you're in the midst of a culture that will not support you and that you have to escape. And while I hope that that leads to better outcomes on the, on the behalf of the people who do escape, uh, I sure wish that we could just be love for who we are from the beginning.
0: That's a really fascinating comparison. So you're saying that given the option growing up of knowing that you were trans and to like figure that have language for that early you don't know that you would have like favored that
1: you know for me i was always an escape artist you know so it was like i was getting out of there as soon as i could you know i was i went to new york as soon as i could and then from new york i you know i i've hit done the like coastal major city thing right um which is a queer and trans journey right? We all like run from the small towns that hate us to the places where we can find ourselves. And sometimes we go back and sometimes we're embraced and that's wonderful when we are. It's happening more and more. But I I wonder, it's just that I wonder if there aren't kids. Like at least for me, I went into this world of imagination about why I was made this way and what happened and and if if I could be this like shape shifting being inside of myself, then my world was populated with fairies and creatures and all. You know, it turned imaginary for me, right? If I had just known that I was like clinically one thing, and I knew that no one would help me, I I think that would have been very difficult.
0: And I guess I ask that question because I think that that kind of has to be a necessary step, though, in the. In terms of like the public's acceptance of us and our own people, I just thought it was so important for kids to grow up and know that this feeling I have, it has a name and there's other people like me.
1: Yes, completely agree. Completely agree. I'm just seeing both sides of it. That's my thing. No, that of I, course. You know what I mean? is like, you know, similar with the like visibility is really important and it makes people a target, right? It's like it's like all of this knowledge I think is so wonderful and really helpful and I, I like envy kids these days who get to grow up knowing who they are and that they're a part of something. And I, and I guess I just say it because I'm like, the kids don't necessarily have it easier, right? It could be just as hard in its own new way, you know? And I think that we have to watch out for them, you know, and take care of them.
0: So you are not new to acting, but you are new
1: to Hollywood per se. Pretty new. Yeah. A few years a ago. A few years. What has it been like to enter into that world? I mean, it's my wildest dream, right? Like, like, and and it's so funny how it happened. Like, I moved here, and I didn't have an agent, I didn't have a representative. I took an acting class just to kind of see how how it was there. And a couple days later, uh, the receptionist called me and said, uh, "Christy Dooliet at Bold and Beautiful was here, and she just said that they were having trouble finding a transgender actor. Do you want me to pass along your information?" I had like made an impression on this receptionist by being out, about being trans. And I was like, yes, please. And so within, like, two weeks of being in Hollywood, I got my first, like, recurring guest role on a soap opera, right? Like, who does that? Nobody does that. I didn't even have a representative, you know what I mean? Like, um, And it's been a a roller coaster since then, you know? It's been really interesting. Like, you have this idea that when your big hit happens, that you're gonna – that something – you know, like I really thought that I was going to be like Laverne Cox level like overnight, you know, and you have to realize like Laverne has been working for years and years and years at this, you know, everything it's it's a marathon, it's not a it's not a sprint. You know. and,
0: yeah, and for people who don't know, your role on Bold and Beautiful made you the first trans actor, openly trans actor, we should say. Important to say, yes. Yeah, um, with a like major role. Yeah, with, yeah. And, well,
1: first openly trans actor, period, daytime. in daytime. That's yeah. wild. Also, it's wild because that fan base is so massive. Right, 30, million, 30 plus million people every day around the world watch that show. What? Right, and that was like, what was so cool about that, and everything that's happened to me in Hollywood has been this way, like, I, I'm also a teacher, like I teach about transgender competency, like I educate people, right? And that's what that role was, too. I was like there to like, educate the star into how to come out to her husband, how to disclose to her husband that she was trans and she hadn't told him, or not her husband, her boyfriend at the time, and then they got married, Um and um but i'm also like by educating maya i'm educating all of those 32 million people right and that's like what i was put on this earth to do it was amazing um similarly with um i just got i i'm about to go to the premiere of this major motion picture that i have a starring role in and this character is it takes place in the 20s it's uh, the whole movie is about antonia brico who was the first female orchestra conductor and um I play this jazz musician who is like her best friend and biggest supporter. Um, and the the instructive thing about him is, you know, we have this whole, this whole thing about like, this is the 20s and 30s. He didn't have the word transgender, right? Like, and most history books would say, you know, Robin was, you know, quote unquote, living as a man, which is totally like dismissive of somebody's identity. You don't like throw, like, not throw away, but you don't like get cut loose of your entire family, right? You don't live in secret, right? Just to like have a good job and and pretend to be a man. Like you don't do that. It's If you did, then Antonia Brico's story wouldn't exist because she would have just pretended to be a man. Every woman who wanted to have to do whatever job they wanted to do throughout history would just pretend to be a man so that they could have it, right? So that's – the difference is my character – was trans, right? Like has an identity, right? And is trans. Um, so the instructive piece is like to teach people about that trans people have existed in history, that we have contributed, you know, that that were really important and we were always there, right? Um, so it's, it's funny how things work out like that, like that you just – and people talk in Hollywood a lot about like your essence, you know, and I guess my essence is that like I'm somebody who's willing to have these conversations and willing to share and and educate. And, you know, that's that's what I'm doing now and whatever else I do.
0: Do you think that when you walk into a casting director's office for a meeting or an audition that they know you're trans always?
1: Yeah. It's funny. I, uh, so I just got to meet the actor, the trans actor, Brian Michael. He's on Queen Sugar. Um, and Brian has, a, has an interesting story because he uh, did not disclose that he was trans for many years. So he did a few roles um, without anyone knowing that he was trans, which he gets to do, by the way. Like, I have to stop and say, right, that when you don't disclose that you're trans, you're still living your truth. Yeah, right? It's not about lying. You're not, because again, if you say that a trans person is lying because they don't tell you that they're trans, it's like, then you're saying that they're not really who they know they are. You're, you're taking that authenticity away from them. And it's like being trans is like a whole kettle of fish. It's like, I don't know, like if if I, if I sat down with every person I met and was like, tell me about your mother, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you just don't, we don't, Require people to be so de- like deeply intimate with with each other. So and, and it's just like the most important thing is it's absolutely not lying. Right? It's just private. It's just private. He is showing up as the man he is, and he's a man who can act. Boy, can he act! So we were joking because his name is Brian Michael, and my father's name was Brian Michael when he was born. But there were other Brian's in his class or whatever, so he changed his name to Michael Brian, and. Um, when I was in Hollywood, the first time, I first came to Hollywood in 2007, and I was casting around trying to figure out how to be an actor. And I thought, I'll go stealth, right? I will not disclose that I'm trans, but I already pe- I was already on the internet as Scott Turner Schofield, trans guy. So I was like, I'm going to change it like my dad. I'm going to be Brian Michael. So can you imagine if there had been two Brian Michaels who are both trans, <laughs> like <laughs> not disclosing? That's really funny. I guess I'm
0: surprised to know that they always assume, no, you're trans when you well, walk in because
1: if the you know a the thing the thing is like i have been pigeonholed right because i'm openly trans people only send i i have heretofore only been sent out as a trans man looking for a trans role is that your agents doing then former agents. Oh, okay.
0: So I don't want to make you badmouth them. I
1: don't want to badmouth them. You know what I mean? I think everybody's doing the best that they can do, right? Yeah.
0: Um, There's just a lot of characters on TV and film that it doesn't matter what their gender history is.
1: I'm thinking of teachers and coworkers and... The
0: barista at
1: the coffee shop. Yeah. This is what we're asking Hollywood to do is like put us in these roles where the gender doesn't matter, right? We're just going to show up and be visibly who we are, which may quote unquote look trans, whatever that looks like, right? By the way, every trans person looks trans right <laughs> like, it's
0: like, um, also you can't define what that means <laughs> right,
1: exactly like as in they look like humans
0: a lot of trans women who are actors will say that they are told they don't look trans enough yes. to play this trans female that role to me all the time you're t- really
1: yeah you, you don't look trans that's why I say I look trans because I am trans, right? Uh, but yeah, you don't look trans, meaning you blend, right? Um, I, I tried to steer away from the idea of – from the word passing um, because it's appropriating from racial culture, right? Like passing is an African-American historical situation and, you know, while some things are the same, it's totally different histories, right? So. I blend, like I could stand in a lineup of guys and you wouldn't pick me out as the trans person.
0: Passing also implies this like secret.
1: It also pa- it also implies failing if you don't pass oh. and that's not yeah. okay, right? So I'm really moving away from that, right?
0: How open do you find that people are to input if something doesn't feel authentic
1: when you're playing a trans role? So, it's interesting. Um I've talked to several people who have had the ear of somebody in power on the set who has said like for me it was Brad Bell, who's the executive producer of Bold and Beautiful, who was like, if something's not right, you let us know and we will change it. Like, And it was like no questions asked. I wasn't considered the, – the power dynamic that's scary is when you're an actor, you think like, oh, if I have a problem with something, they're going to think of me as a problem actor. Yeah. And if you are a day player, you know, if you're not a series regular – you will you'll just be fired they'll just replace you right so there's that's like the power dynamic right um so i think a lot of people are really afraid of it however i and many people that i have talked to have experienced there being these well-meaning really well-intentioned people who want to do it right uh if and if you just say you know so i just think this is an authentic as opposed to like this is wrong and you're wrong right like you don't I don't think anybody would ever say that anyway, unless it was really egregious, right? However, then you get into situations where, for instance, again, it's like, and I'm in this really messed up situation where it's like, I want to talk, I want to call something out, right? But as an actor, uh, it's going to harm me to do it. All we want is for people to take responsibility and apologize and do better afterwards. You know what I mean? It's like not that hard of a thing to do, to like be reflexive and go, oh, wow, I probably should have had a real consultant come in or cast a real trans person. But if you were like, look, we got this wrong and we're sorry, we'll do better next time, a bunch more people would watch your film instead of protesting it.
0: And I think that's a great way to like lead us into your work as an educator. The uh, most recent thing you did is your new e-course about. Uh, or you, you explain it for the sure. Sure.
1: So the city of Santa Monica called me in, and they were like, "We're having a lot of trans people coming to our beaches and pools, and using the locker rooms, and we're having issues. Um, you know, and some of them quite serious." And they said, "Can you train our frontline staff, our lifeguards, our customer service agents, so that they can handle people who get upset if trans people." Are in the locker room because trans, it's totally legal for trans people to use locker rooms according to their gender identity. That is an amazing response from Santa Monica, right? Santa Monica is like so progressive. But wait, there's more. So first, they wanted to just they wanted me just to come in and give one of my usual workshops. I do a lot for human resources stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. But you're not. I'm not going to like certify you as like ready for this because like. Half like, half your lifeguards aren't going to be there because of scheduling conflicts. Then the other half are going to like get new jobs and move away, and suddenly you're going to have nobody with any trans competency left. Like I can't. I'll do it once, but you gotta have me recurring on this, you know. And then I was like, but even once a year, like there's always going to be this kind of turnover. How can we make it so that everybody's really trained up on this? So I was like, okay. I can do this for you. And I've been wanting to do this for a long time because of the success of things like the Ask a Trans Man videos, actually, <laughs> on here, right? Uh, watching people really get their questions answered and like thousands and thousands of people be able to like really listen and really learn something. So it's like, let me make you a video. And we did these like scenes all around. The um, everything from all around the property from going into the bathroom and calling somebody out. Like, excuse me, sir, you're going in the wrong bathroom. You're actually painting a target on someone's back when you do that. Like, and and okay, so if somebody goes into the wrong bathroom, they're going to figure it out really fast. Like, leave them alone because in case they are a gender diverse person, you don't want to call attention to them, right? Because that could be harmful to them, right? Then to like... Um, You know, we have a case, a real case of a woman threatening to have have her boyfriend come in and beat up a trans woman who is just getting changed, right? And how should someone, you know, how should an employee respond to that, right? How do you diffuse the situation? How do you help both people, right? Because you do have to help both people. You can't just like as much as you want to, you can't just kick the person who's being awful out. Yeah. So, you know, we, we got those kinds of scenes down. And then I figured like there were some important things like among employees, like how do you ask what pronoun do you use, right? How do you, how do you, what are the boundaries and limits about what you can and can't talk about with a trans, like whether they're an, a trans employee or a trans customer, like, or just like a trans person in your life, sort of how do you do that? And so we created this, it's just a half hour of video that you watch and you take quizzes on. And the quizzes, um, you go through like module by module and the quizzes test that you understood it so that by the end, we can like literally certify that you know what you're doing in this context. And it's interesting because it's like four locker rooms, right? It's, it's for any place with a changing room, right? Uh, but you can also use it as a way to respond to public bathroom issues. And then also, I mean, it's just got a lot of like just general common sense sensitivity training in there too. Um, So really anyone can take it. There's been
0: so much in the news about trans people and bathroom use. Has that increased people's fear around trans people in the bathrooms or has it always been there? We just haven't heard about it.
1: Yeah, no. So what's been true is that um, for over a decade, there have been places all around the country, even in the South, even in the Midwest, like everywhere where trans people have, where you are allowed to use the The facility, according to your gender identity, whether or not your physical body matches up to that, right? And there have been no more there have been no more public like safety incidences in those spaces, right, than any other place. But since the bathroom bills, now we're now we're finding that seventy percent of trans people report being harassed using the public facilities, whether those are bathrooms or changing rooms, and nine percent of those seventy percent report physical violence right and this is just since 2015 and the first bathroom bill from north carolina that's huge it's it's crazy so what happened was and we know this right like People respond to fear tactics, and people will be pushed in a direction of fear by fear tactics, and that's exactly what was used with HB2. Like, they they did this whole sexual predator thing, right, which is like the monster under the bed kind of situation, and they put trans people and, and sexual predators next to each other, basically conflating them, right? And it's like, we're not the same thing. It's not the same issue, And so few people know a trans person in their own life, and so that is their, like, first exposure. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we only have uh, stereotypes from the media which do overly sexualize us, right? And so you kind of – it does kind of resonate in that way, but that's not the real life of trans people. So it was really great with Everybody Changes, which is the title of the e-course, we got all these, like, wonderful – very diverse people, right? And I mean, like, like, just all kinds of bodies. Like, I was really fun to go, like, I'm going to make the thing that I want to see in the world, right? Um, and it's just like like our person with a disability, like, their role is not about being the person with a the disability. They just happen to be a person who happens to have a disability who's having this gender thing happen to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just like these are people you see in your everyday life. And these are the real people. So how can you be accommodating and welcoming to them? Wow. You know? And it really does. It just, like, just just snuffs it right out, you know, and it's been amazing. So Santa Monica uses it, they all of their people are trained up on this. So anytime you use a changing room, whether it's at the pool or at the beach house in Santa Monica, you are good to go. And we put it online, and people are starting to take it who are gym owners. And uh, we've had school people in schools with different dealing with different situations with gender in middle schools and high schools, uh, taking it and it's like, I'm just so happy that we have this like, platform that we can spread this information and it's not just like talking to one person with a book anymore <laughs> do you yeah.
0: know what i mean or you toured your one man show for a while
1: yes <laughs> and now you don't need to be the one in person right well we're making it into a movie that's huge yeah so it's called becoming a man in 127 easy steps and some people there are two kinds of people they go it takes a whole 127 steps or it only takes 127 steps right and so you toured this for 10 years you're doing education
0: uh, educational work now In that time, have you seen a change in the public's
1: understanding of trans people? 100%. When I debuted Becoming a Man in 127 Easy Steps in 2007, I mean, think about the things that we didn't know about trans people then. Art Spaces thought it was sort of like deep, avant-garde, interesting stuff 10 years ago, and I'm still touring it because now it's like in its moment, right but that's why we want to make it into this film I'll put it on this platform so that everybody can deal with it can like experience all of these different steps it starts at the moment of my conception and step 127 is me wondering what's going to happen when i die like are they going to segregate my organs by sex like how's that going to happen do you know what i mean like and everything in between from making bad relationship mistakes and choices to uh like a really an injury that i got that led to this like really kind of hilarious experience in in um costa rica to like tricking on grinder and not disclosing that i was trans and like what happened there right like there's it goes in all kinds of directions to show an a full life and this is just one trans life, you know?
0: And those sounds like all steps that anybody can relate to that don't involve or have to do with being trans only.
1: Right. In some of them, the trans part is foregrounded. And in others, it's like, you know, the one about tricking on grinder is like, it's grinder. You don't have conversations. Do you know what I mean? You know? Um, but what should you say? And what shouldn't you? You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's a very deep piece for being only like eight minutes long. Did you always think you'd be doing this direct advocacy, advocacy work? No, I just wanted to be an actor. I really did. When I was in college, I just wanted to be an actor and I did everything I could, but my gender was really unreadable at that time. I was too masculine to, to play like a girl, girly girl role and too feminine to play a boy role. And my teacher, God bless him, was like, sometimes you can't wait for a role to be written for you. You should just write your own. And i, I that was my first one-man show that I created out of that conversation, which I started touring. I toured that show for nine years, starting in 2002. So imagine what people didn't know then. And I was being brought places like the University of Wyoming, the University of Virginia, like wild, right? And, you know, teaching is a kind of performing, you know? (laughs) And
0: saying that you just wanted to be an actor, like, I have to believe that you're like making that easier for the next trans actor to like just be an actor if they want to. I hope so. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: I really hope so. I think like a default of our times is that you as a public trans person have no choice in being a role model, role model or not. You have to be, you know,
1: it's automatic. Yeah. And it makes it hard to be complicated. You know, like I'm a complicated person. I've, I've gone through a lot in my life that has nothing to do with being trans. And, you know, sometimes I think about, wow, what what if people knew or found out about my whole life. And that's part of why I'm giving it all to you in, in becoming a man, because we are so much more than our gender identities, you know, that, that is something that puts a really interesting lens on it. But it's like, how do you figure out as a man, like being a good partner to somebody, right? How do you, you know, I'm somebody who suffered um, childhood abuse, like you know and how do, how does that play out throughout your life and i'm somebody who has conquered that like so telling that story which really has nothing to do with it but except the fact that i became a man it has everything to do with it so there's a lot in there
0: <laughs> wow um, i think it's a great place to leave it at thank you for doing this
1: <laughs> thank you for having me this is great
0: And that's our show. If you enjoyed the interview even a little bit, please tell your friends. Help us spread the word about the podcast. We have new interviews every week. We are broadcasting from the Advocate Magazine studio in Los Angeles. The Advocate is the longest-running LGBT news magazine in the country. They were founded in 1967. You can check out their other podcast, The Advocates, as well as Pride.com's podcast, Work. I also want to say that with the midterms coming up, GLAD is here to help you amp your voice. GLAD is making it easier than ever to access the tools you need to vote and to speak out on the issues that matter. To learn more and to make sure your voice is heard, go to gladorg slash amp your voice. That's glad.org slash amp your voice. And then don't forget you can sign up for our newsletter at lgbtqpodcast.com. It is a great way to stay up to date on all of our new episodes and live shows. We're going to announce another one in just a few weeks. So that's lgbtqpodcast.com, lgbtqpodcast.com. Special thanks to our partners at Panoply, our old home after TV, Jason McMurdy, and everyone for listening. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and we'll see you next week.